Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here with episode 269 of Weekly Poker Hand. Thank you all very much for being here with me today. Here we have another fun hand from this splashy, but surprisingly nitty, 1-3 game at Stone's Gambling Hall. And we are currently playing with a straddle, up to $6, but we're playing pretty deep stack, like $700 deep. So, pretty deep stacked game. Here, Patches limps. Actually, no, he doesn't. What's he doing? He does limp. He limps from the cutoff with Jack-10 of diamonds. And I would definitely say you want to be raising your strong hands. And Jack-10 of diamonds, while it's not a super strong high card hand, it is a very, very premium suited connected hand. So you definitely want to be raising this hand. Don't do limping. Limping is bad. Get limping out of your strategy for the most part, especially from the later positions when you are deep stacked. You'd rather just raise and build a pot because the person in position wins more than their fair share of the pots, and the aggressor usually wins more than their fair share of the pots. So when we're playing deep stack, when you don't really even fear getting re-raised, because you can easily call the three better than see the flop, you want to be raising. Anyway, Patches does decide to limp, and now Philosopher with a6 offsuit on the button has to decide what to do. This is a pretty bad hand. If you know your raise is going to get called every time, as it often will, and you know your opponent's going to be sticky on the flop and not do a whole lot of check folding, which may or may not be the case. It doesn't seem to be the case for this game. But if you're playing in a small stakes game where people are just really, really not inclined to fold, I think you should either limp or fold the a6, which may sound a little bit odd to some of you, uh, because a lot of people get it in their minds that they need to always raise the limpers. And you want to be raising the limpers when they're going to fold too often. But... At Stone's Gambling Hall, they typically don't fold too often. However, in this particular game, I don't really mind it. They seem to be pretty snug, so sure, raise it up. If you are going to raise, you want to make it something like $30 here, so you have some preflop fold equity. If you make it less than that, you're going to start to get called a ton. And you don't want to get called when you have A6 offsuit, right? So, Philosopher made it 21, and I think that is just definitively too small, because Patches is probably not limping with much of anything, that he plans to fold. And you may say, well, what if Patches is limping 9-8 offsuit and he calls and the flop comes and he check folds? Sure, but you'd rather him just put in more money in those instances, right? And I think making it 30 is just going to extract more value. So anyway, so far, I'm okay with this hand, although Patches clearly should have raised. Now, Donkey, who's played a lot of pots so far, wakes up a pocket aces in the small blind, which is exactly what he wants in life. And he should be four betting. Um, from the small blind, you can make it something like $70 here, or maybe $80, given we're playing 800 deep or so. And he does re-raise to 61. And again, I think this is too small, because now you always want to ask, what am I presenting my opponents? The player on the button now only has to put in, how much? $40 in position. Now, of course, with aces, they're usually not getting the right price or the right implied odds. But your range is not only aces. It's very important to think in terms of hand ranges. I discussed this thoroughly in the homework challenges at pokercoaching.com. Go there, get your completely free trial, and go through the homework challenges. Because I want you to understand that we are not playing only our hand. We are playing our range, even against players who may not be the best in the world. A lot of people think, oh, balance is only useful if you're playing against great players. But... It's important to understand that you don't necessarily know what your opponents are doing wrong. And also, whenever you re-raise in this spot, you're not re-raising only aces. You're re-raising aces and kings and queens and jacks and ace-king and maybe some bluffs. And you certainly don't want to be giving your opponent great odds in position when you have jacks or when you have a bluff. And then you say, well, clearly just raise bigger with those hands. But then, 
even if your opponents are somewhat obtuse, if you raise smaller, only with aces, well, they're going to figure that out eventually. So anyway, on around to AD and the big blind with pocket eights playing six, how deep are we exactly? We're six, $763 deep, facing a $61 raise. He has to put in uh, $58 more. I think this needs to be a bold. In general, when you're facing a raise and a three bet and you're in the middle somewhere, and you're getting the right implied odds, because right here, you want to be getting at least 10 to 1 implied odds with your pairs. You still should be folding most of them. And the reason is because you may get 4-bet. And so imagine it gets back around to Floster, and then he makes it 200, and then Donkey, whatever, it doesn't matter. Now, we're not getting the right price to call anymore. And that will happen some portion of the time. So yeah, sure, sometime, probably like 80%, 90% of the time, you're going to call and see the flop, and everything's going to be okay. But... That 10 or 15 or 20% of the time you get 4-bet and you just lose all of your equity in the pot, you just lose your full $60, that is a disaster. So you need to sidestep that scenario and just fold. If we somehow knew definitively that Philosopher or Patches are never re-raising here, then we can justify calling with the 8s and you know, lots of the pairs, but you just don't know that's going to happen, right? So anyway, I would have folded here. Another problem is that once you're facing the 3-bet, yes, ranges get stronger, but you have to stack your opponent completely almost every time. It's different if there's just like a $9 raise or $700 deep, because every once in a while you do stack your opponent for $700, giving you 80 to 1 implied odds, right? And that, that makes up for all the times you don't win a big pot. But here, whenever you are getting right at your required 10 or 11 to 1 implied odds, you need to stack your opponent almost every time. And, you know, it's hard to stack your opponent almost every time. So anyway, I would have folded the pocket eights here. And I don't even think it's anything you need to think about. It's just when it goes raise three bet in front of you, you just need to fold. You need to be playing really tight. You probably want to be doing a lot of four bet bluffing. Whoops. I have a meeting soon. You probably want to be doing a, um, some four bet bluffing and four bet, you know, four betting for value and that's it. I'm, not, I'm really not doing much calling at all. But as you do get deeper and deeper and deeper, like say we're playing 500 big blinds deep, then calling does start to become reasonable because again, then you actually can get better than your exact required 10 to one implied odds. You can get 30 or 40 which makes up for the times you don't get paid. So anyway, AD decides to call. Jack-10 suited folds as it should. A6 offsuit folds as it should. In that scenario, A6 only had to call $40 more into a $155 pot, but it should still fold because A6 is super dominated. All right, flop comes 10-5-2. We discussed this in the previous few episodes of Weekly Poker Hand. On these very dry boards, the preflop aggressor has the range advantage. They usually have the nut advantage. And since the board's dry, you want to be betting... Frequently, but small. So pot's 155. I like a bet of 60. And Donkey is making a bet of... Looks like a little bit more than 60. He bets 75, which I think is fine. And now notice here, AD with a pretty marginal underpair with almost no chance to improve has to continue. And he should continue. Because if your opponent is betting small here with their whole range, 8s is actually in okay shape, especially given your... Pot odds. Sirens are going off outside. Apparently, they don't, they don't want me to be making a video right now. Phones going off. Sirens are going off. It's how it goes sometimes. All right. Anyway, AD does decide to call as he should. And now the turn is a nine of hearts. We have a door here. We can shut it. What a mess this podcast has become. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Every once in a while, we are not the utmost professional. All right. Now, on the turn, turns a nine of hearts, so 10, 5, 2, 9, Donkey just jams his whole stack in. He goes all in, and he's betting 
two times the size of the pot. I think this is a significant error because unless you're also jamming here with stuff like Queen Jack Offsuit, which I'm pretty sure is not in Donkey's range, your range is just going to be very, very nut heavy here. I mean, if you think about what bluffs Donkey could have, like maybe he has Ace King or Ace Queen and would bluff this way, but like, really? Do you really want to be jamming in this spot? The other problem is AD could just have a set or he could have 10-9, right? 10-9 suited may splash like this too. So in this scenario, what's going to happen when you jam is AD is going to fold literally all non-set hands. So if he's only going to call the set and you lose to all sets, every time you get called, you lose your stack. And that is detrimental. So what should Donkey have done instead? Well, he should either bet small or check. Again, maybe small in this scenario in a $300 pot would be 125. Notice if he bets 125 and AD calls, AD is going to have 500 left in his stack and the pot's going to go up to 550. And that will allow Donkey to jam the river for value. Then he could be jamming for value, right? But here, when he's jamming two times the size of the pot, that just forces AD to play well. And you make money when your opponent makes mistakes. I sound like a broken record, I know. But in this scenario, Donkey is making, requiring AD to play well. Like, no one's going to screw this spot up. Unless AD is just like a gigantic calling station, which I have no reason to think that. He's played almost no hands so far over the, the hands I've reviewed. So he's probably just playing good cards. And if you are in this scenario, by the way, and you're playing against someone who's jamming two times the pot here, and you're playing 1-3 no limit, you can pretty much count on them having a strong overpair, aces, kings, or queens. And in this scenario, if you don't beat aces, kings, or queens, you have an easy fold. Unfortunately, it's pretty easy to know if you beat them that or not because you just have a set. Or you don't. So anyway, he does jam. I say jam. I realize he bet $500 out of his $700 stack. Say AD's $630 stack. That's an all-in. And now AD just gets to fold, right? Whereas notice instead, if Donkey bet 125 on the turn, AD is again in a pretty crappy spot. So instead of being in a scenario where you are kind of required to stick around with a hand that's drawing almost dead, now AD just gets to fold. And um, he does. He was forced to play well, and he did play well. So that's going to be it for today. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Make sure you head over to PokerCoaching.com and get your completely free trial. Go through the quizzes, go through the homework challenges, and understand how ranges interact. And in this scenario, Donkey had very clear small bets on the flop and the turn. Instead, he used small bet and then a blast on the turn. And it probably cost him $100 in equity, maybe more. And $100 at 1-3 is a lot. So that's going to be it for today. Good luck in your games. Have fun. Be nice to someone. And I will talk to you next week.